It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where our Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. Well, good morning, and it is time for Faith and Life to Connect here on Shine FM and on the podcast network at shinefmohio.com. This is The Session. I'm Scott. He's Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. Now, Tom, you realize that there's something like this in my Southern Baptist Church would would get us in trouble, right? Right, yeah. Well, we're doing a five-point message today. Oh, my goodness. Now, you realize the Southern Baptist Church can't do anything unless there's three. it's only three points and there's an offering in the middle. And so now they're saying, we've never done it that way before. <laughs> and that caused <laughs> This is a special business meeting, and that's probably where I'd better stop. Four subcommittees come from me. <laughs> and they can't talk about it till they're done arguing about the carpet. Okay, so anyway. I we don't are, like that carpet. <laughs> I don't like the green. Mm. We're going to talk about five ways to help your kids stand for what's right. And in today's world, oh my gosh, do they need help with that? And that's what's so important is because what's what's the media out there saying? What's that teen culture saying? And what's it doing about the church and what God has designed? What's happened to our Christian family? What's happened to our intact family because of all of that? So this is really a big issue. And we're going to spend some time on this. It's from allprodad.com, and I will have the show notes because I know we never cut, get to everything in our notes. <laughs> so I'll have that posted for you in the show doc on the podcast network at shinefmohio.com. But before we go there, Tom, let's dive into God's Word. We're going to the book of Joshua. Yes, that's right, Scott. Joshua twenty four fifteen. I thought this was very important. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He's taking a stand and saying, that's who we're going to serve is the Lord. And that was God of Joshua's final message to the nation of Israel when he quote unquote retired in his role as leadership. So we're, we're going to dig into this five ways to help your kids stand for what's right. And this came up I, just as I was looking through some things for Beyond Belief and, and for my show, and I thought, you know what, this would be perfect. And then I had a conversation with a friend of mine over the weekend. And, okay. And I don't hear from him very often, but he'll call me out of the blue, and we're talking about his daughter, who was 11. Okay. And he had a, a close friend who he thought he could trust to leave her with. Wow. And found out that she was being indoctrinated into a gay lifestyle. Wow. Which was now leaving her very gender confused. And it just reinforced to me the idea that we need to make sure that our kids know how to stand up for what is right. Absolutely. So, you know, that's kind of driven me to make sure we're doing this and we do it right today. And we're not going to be able to give you everything. So, you know, look through our show notes here. 
Uh, All Pro Dad is where we got this from, allprodad.com. And uh, there's a lot of other great topics on that website as well that you can you can look at. Of course, it's going to be geared at dad, so you know moms don't be mm-hmm. offended, but kind of filter to fit your mm-hmm. situation. But allprodad.com pointed out the fact that if we are raising our kids to stand for what is right, then we're raising them to be a minority. Minority is a hard place to be, and it's a hard position to put our children in, even though we know that it's the right approach to take. So if we do choose to raise our kids to be people of integrity, then it's also incumbent on us to equip them for the task. Right. And then we've got this comment from author Flannery O'Connor. Yes, well I done. I can't do that accent well at all, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, and it's a really important one, Scott. Flannery says, well, you have to push as hard as the age that pushes against you. O'Connor was ta- uh, talking about not only owning values, but also having the resources to make sure they stick in a world that doesn't always offer much encouragement to those who are different. You know, that's so real right now. That, that's a great phrase. Right. You have to push as hard as the age that pushes against you. Yeah. Otherwise, what's going to happen if we don't? The 60s. Yeah. When, uh-huh. when they pushed against the church, and what did the church do? It folded. It, it crumbled. Back. Yeah. And we have a lot of what we have today, but that's enough. That's that's. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm good. Get it. Don't get on the Scott soapbox today. <laughs> All right. So yeah, a, a very poignant phrase there from Flannery O'Connor. All right. Let's dive into these five ways to help your kids stand for what's right. Number one, this seems like the captain obvious answer, <laughs> but in today's culture, they have to know what's right. Well, that, that's true, and so they've got to be taught. And, and, and training the children is is fundamental to family life. That's how we we have things like our, our legacy uh, that gets passed on to the next generation, and traditions that get passed on to the next generation. It's because we've taught them and they've experienced it, and that's what helps the strength of the the American family. What has happened to it when, you know, teenagers at 16 are out basically on their own in some respects because mom is working all the time and dad's not around or vice versa, the, the one-parent family? Who's teaching them? And the values of this is, this is what healthy families do. They spend time together. And heaven forbid that meant we'd all sit in the living room and play with our, our, video, our video games <laughs> on our our phones have a conversation from time to time and what about meals together you know those kinds of things and what's discussed at the meals and how can having a meal be a great time to grow the family family game night yeah without question let the kids pick a game for once so let's start by making sure our children are clear about integrity when we talk about integrity we're talking about being authentic, uh, a term that I think describes it is congruent, meaning what you see on the outside is really what's going on on the inside. When we're incongruent, what's going on on the inside doesn't match what's going on on the outside. So we want them to have integrity, that they have have a, a, a real value. So I think that's really important. So number two, practice talking about values, ideals, and standards. Wow, that, that you mean you want me to talk to my kids? <laughs> Do you know the last time I talked to my kids? You know the last time I talked to my 16-year-old, she was eight. <laughs> the next time I'm going to talk to her, she's going to be 24 when she'll be When, when I'm walking her yeah. down the aisle and she's well, telling me about her, her this man. So just like our lessons in school, learning what is right becomes easier to articulate via practice. 
Talk about what is right. Be deliberate about identifying teachable moments. That is really important. A teachable moment is is an, a circumstance that happens that you think, man, I have an opportunity to talk about that. So maybe they see something in the news about a, a teenager who made his own decisions and thought he would want to try the family car and ends up totaling it and he's in the hospital. That's a teachable moment. What went wrong there? And how does your child feel about that? So, I mean, those are examples of a teachable moment. And by the same token, I remember a story last week out of Columbus where two 15-year-olds were just walking, minding their own business, and they saw a guy trying to break in the back of a house. And I forget if they stopped him or if they called police who stopped him. But either way, the police knew who they were enough to call them heroes and actually give them a citation for being a hero. Wow. How about that? Yeah, there, there's another mo- teachable moment from the other side of it to say, now, how would that make you feel if that was you? Yeah. You know, yeah. what would you think made them do that? Yeah. And where was the integrity inside of them? As, as we talk about values and, uh, and ideals and standards, where does that fit with the uh, values and standards that we should be living by? Well, if we don't have any guidance, any teaching about that in the family, then you know anything goes, and that's really sad. Yeah, it makes a comment here, Tom. Practice asking hard questions, and then expect your children to explain themselves. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of what Paul said. You know, be ready to give an answer. Right. To that's all, good. To all who ask about the hope within you. Yes. And so you think about that, you put that in the context of parenting, and then we're talking about, well, I'm going to ask tough questions to my children. They're going to squirm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the thing of it is, is we have to make it safe and that they can talk about it, but they're going to survive it. And when it's all done, a really important policy we have at Heritage, you have to be breathing. They'll still, <laughs> they'll still be breathing. You still will be when you're done, even if it's a hard question. Yeah. And truth be told, Tom, in therapy, in in session, Uh you ask a lot of hard questions, and Uh, they've got to sit on that couch and answer them. Some of my sessions are like, well, Tom, you were six minutes in before you asked the first tough question. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going, well, that's an improvement, isn't it? (laughs) That's better than the 10 it took last time. (laughs) And you answered it three minutes quicker than last time. (laughs) So number three in our five ways to help your kids stand for what's right from allprodad.com, practice right behavior as a family. Well, and once again, it's, it's more practical to stand for what is right, Scott, than when the family stands with you when you're doing it right, is a family value. You know, some of the neatest memories I have from our raising our children were things that we did as a family when we did adopt a family back uh, years ago. In the paper, there was, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, they list a family every day that was struggling, and, and please help them. Kathy and I, we talked about it with our children, and we might have helped. We would have done something there. Another great example, we fostered when our children were at home. Well, what was really interesting is that we never fostered without talking to them first. And what did they think and how did they feel about it? And our children were really for it. And so, you know, when we retired, I've said this before, we adopted Dean. You know, he was the last one that we fostered. And our children have embraced him as their brother. 
and it's so funny to watch. <laughs> he pays a little bit of a price because <laughs> of how they express it, but it's good. That's a value that we had, and we've done it together. And that's what grows a family. Yes, you, definitely. You practice that right behavior, and it it's a way that you can live out your values for your kids to see, and you make it a very practical thing. Yeah. Which may make it easier for them when they have their family to do the same thing. Rather than just browbeating them with values or ideals or right behavior, we're actually giving them and putting them in position to experience it. What they experience is really what they're going to learn. That's why not only doing something like the fostering and they experience it or, or helping a family at Christmas but also, what are they seeing at home? And when they see it, when they experience it, and when the family together succeeds in it, you can then celebrate it. Yes, there see? we go. We got it in. See? Number four. Oh, boy. Pick them up gently when they fall. Do not club them over the head and keep them down. And this is where the power of the Holy Spirit in us as parents and the love that we have for our God should show up and we should be compassionate with them and a compassionate teacher and to offer grace and mercy. What does that teach them when they experience that from us? In a large way, that will help mold them throughout their life. If they were put on major guilt trips because they messed up at home, then they will be very capable in life of putting themselves on that same guilt trip. And that's how they'll manage and cope with life. Now, is that the same thing as the um, the mom look? <laughs> yeah. My mom was an expert at the look. Uh-huh. She never had to say a word. She could be on the other end of the room and just give me the look, and I knew. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm out of line. I need to get my sister out of this headlock. <laughs> <laughs> that probably is not going to end well for me when dad gets home i find it interesting tom that allprodad.com chose to put this in really large type because i don't think you put this here no underneath the heading pick them up gently when they fall your job as a dad is to lead not drive your children so there it is again that we are an example they will learn what they see from dad more so than what dad says yeah Um, I've said it before, and it really resonates inside of me. I grew up with don't do as I do, do as I say do. Oh, really? And inside I'm thinking, if I say something to that, my life is going to be a danger. (laughs) So I just would let it ride, but it would go in one ear, gain rapid speed, and go right out the other ear. And I'm thinking, how dare you? You're going to do whatever you want, but I'm... But I can't? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my brother rebelled in a way that he pretty much ended up doing what my dad did. You know, I went completely opposite. I went toward the church. I went toward what was going on in youth group and my pastor and what was being taught and came to know the Lord. Because don't do what I do. Really? You you ran away from that, and God used that as the tool to draw you to him. Amen. And I will always be thankful. Yeah. I, I like what they say here. We we all fail to stand for what is right in varying degrees. So be a compassionate teacher at home. Yeah. Your job as a dad is to lead, not drive. So pick them up when they fall. Comfort them, encourage them, and be their strength. 
be the dad that they want to run into the arms of when they fail. Right, and that they can call. And and what's really neat, and it's so funny too, at home, when our kids call, if they call me, it's because they're hurting in some way and they just need to talk and I, I talk with them. If they need money, <laughs> they call <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> well, back when I was in college, you still had the ability to make a collect call. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I always had to go collect call, please, to blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Collect call from Scott. Will you accept the charges? <laughs> yes. <laughs> do I have to? How much do you need? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny, too. But again, the teacher, let's not forget the fact that mom is a great teacher, too. Yes. And the whole idea of teaching it depends on what your goal is. As an example, is that is your goal to get to yard mode, or is your goal to teach your son how to mow the yard? So, see, if it's to teach them, then maybe we approach it differently. You know, we can be so goal oriented and so we need it done yesterday kind of thinking that if it's if it's just about getting to yard mode, then let's just get it done, and we're not as patient, we're not as tuned in. But then when it's about, I want my son to understand how to mow the yard, well, now you know maybe I'm going to be a little bit more considerate in teaching him and showing him how to start the rider. And, and gee, you know, it might be nice if he knew where the brake was. And, <laughs> how to change the oil. Yeah. How and, to take off the bottom to clean off the blade and all that. Yeah. yeah. And so now your son walks away with, that was a pretty good experience. Yeah, and personally, I thought when the boys were right around ten or eleven, they they kind of they wanted to mow the yard. I'm like, Dad, can I mow the yard? I'm like, I tell you what, you're almost there. We'll wait till next year. So now they're eleven or twelve, and they've had a whole year of being anxious about it. So I never had to argue with them about mowing the yard. They were really <laughs> excited about mowing it. And I thought that was a great a great strategy to get them to want to mow the yard. They, uh-huh. they pretty well did it. Well, there you go. Yeah. See, so it can, it can be a fun experience to teach your kids. For sure. You know? Yeah. All right, Tom, we've made it to number five. Hey, amazing. Stunning. Spot. Number breaking, five. Breaking news. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Film at 11. Scott and Tom made it through five points in one show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Make sure your children learn to respect people with different values. Now, okay. In today's society, this throws a red flag to me. Okay, because? Because I I hear that and I hear, what are you indoctrinating me into? Uh-huh. And the hard part is, Jesus accepted people with different values, too. He, he did. That doesn't mean he embraced their values if they were sinful. It just means he took them where they were. He met them where they were. And you know, the example that comes to my mind right away was the Samaritan woman at the well. Yeah. And how they had different values. And he accepted her right where she was. And I'm kind of guessing that in your family that uh, your kids each had their own ticker to them. They uh-huh. each had their own little personality. Oh, they did. That Mandy was different from Dean, was different from the rest of the boys. And it was. And so sometimes the headbutting did happen. <laughs> well, of course it did. And I think that's probably why Mandy is today as spunky as she is. But God bless her in it. And come to find out is I learned more about the clinical world when we began to think about birth order. Well, Mandy was our oldest daughter and David was our oldest son. 
So sometimes that was an issue, but for whatever reason, the tickers that tended to have more issues were Jason and, and Mandy. They tended to butt heads more so. That's the one that was the funniest. It was the counselor's kids who got in a fight in the hallway here at Mansfield Christian. <laughs> Over who got to drive home, I think that, it was. It was, that's right. Yeah. yeah, we still laugh about that today. <laughs> I, one of these days, I have got to meet these kids and just yeah. get the story behind the story Yes, for a lot of things. But So they each have to learn to respect each other's values. There's so much to be said about respect. When I first came out of undergraduate school, I basically was on the end of the continuum. I hadn't learned yet. I demanded respect and got little. Mm-hmm. It took me, you know, a summer or two of retreating and thinking about that. And I decided I was going to sow respect into my students. And boy, it was like night and day different. Yeah. So you sow it and you'll reap it. And I think that's what's so huge about respect. Well, in today's day and age, respect is not it's almost like a non-issue i'm going to do my thing you know what and whether you like it or not whether you respect it or not and the the whole respect issue goes it goes out the window and it's so sad on facebook i still have an incredible respect for one of my coaches when i was in high school and he comments on the devotional that i write really almost always and i i'm always very respectful, calling him by his appropriate name. Yeah, Mister. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, you know, I've never thought to look up one of my coaches on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Mister Pucciarelli, I'm looking for you. Yeah, all right. I'll have to look for that. Well, they they comment here that our children need their peers to know that they love and respect them as people, even while they cannot or will not compromise their own values. They it's and it's a it's a fine line to walk, right? Because they're going to feel what we've talked about before the peer pressure or the peer priority, right? Of wanting to be accepted by the peers, so you tend to want to accept what the peers are doing, right? And I think that there's some implications there in the developmental stages of children. There was a, a theorist who talked about moral development named Kohlberg that he would say the moral development was not their own in elementary. They don't really develop their morals completely until adolescence. And then it becomes theirs. They may be influenced greatly with their moral development from elementary, junior high. That's why it's critical that we put them in a situation at home that's safe where they begin to understand and they, what are they seeing from mom and dad and how do we live out the love of Jesus at home? I will always embrace this. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them, if I remember right, of which I usually can remember five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on Working trying, on it. <laughs> yeah. But who should be the people who experience the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Those at home. Yes. After their mom or dad, husband or wife first, the children should be next. And they really should experience that. And that's what's going to lead them to Christ. Oh, praise the Lord, Scott. Wow. 
I'm getting ready to preach. Get you get ready to preach. Look, look, <laughs> look out! Here we go. Five more points. <laughs> Baptists are really going to have but, a fit now. Baptists are going to have a fit. Deacons are going to have to call me. <laughs> All right. So All right. there's the five ways to help your kids stand for what's right. They've got to know what's right. They've got to practice talking about values. Practice right behavior as a family. Pick them up gently when they fall, and make sure your kids learn to respect people with different values. Now. There are families at that time is sadly not the case. Yeah, where it's it could be the single parent home. It could be the the home where the kids are abu- are have an abusive father, or an abusive mother, or the bullying from the older to the younger has gotten so bad that it's just out of control. Right. And sitting down with a family, sitting down with a mom, sitting down with the kids, could very well be beneficial if not healthy. And uh, how can they get a hold of you to start a conversation? Well, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. And remember, if you came in in the middle, our show notes and the entire program are waiting for you on the podcast network at shinefmohio.com. 